mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. We're probably going to have about four different areas that we're looking at. We are looking at the new year message coming in. And at this time of year, with people making New Year's resolutions, I would just like to once again tell you is that I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. Because what they do is they discourage people. They make a New Year's resolution and they might make it a few days and then by February they've blown it so they become discouraged and right back in the rut they've always been in. But I do believe in new life resolutions. A new life where you have a new life with Christ and you're resolving that you're going to walk it out and live a life for Christ. And so I, I would encourage you to make a new life resolution. Look over the past year. Think about the past year. Pray about the past year and look at the things that have went on and ask God for perspective and then move on in your life onward and upward with Christ Jesus, growing in the grace and the knowledge of Him. So don't spend a lot of time, just move forward, keep growing. And we're going to look at a text like that here in a few minutes. But first of all, every year I kind of give us a little saying, I've been doing it for a bunch of years, um, just to look to the new year. Because listen, if you live for eternity, you're living for eternity. So what does a new year mean about anything? It means nothing. It's a way that we just count time down here. So it's a life that you're living. Um, anybody remember what the new year's saying was for last year? Don't look. You're not allowed to look. I had to look. I forget it too. Usually after about 10 months, I'm like, what was that? Because I'll have five or six of them that I'm working on in my brain. And I was looking to Jesus. No, no, looking to the sun in 2021. And see, I, and I remember wrestling with that because I don't like to say son. I like to say Jesus. I like to say his name. I don't like doing the pronouns or saying him or he or his I like to say Jesus because there's power in that name. But looking to the sun in 2021 was our saying. Anybody look to the sun? Did you have to look to the sun this year? See, that's where we're supposed to be looking in all things through prayer and supplication. We should always be looking to him to be our sufficiency because that's how God is providing for all of our needs. So this year, I got a little surprise for you. Since it's 2022, I'm going to do two of them for 2022. 
two for 22. You got it? You getting it? So, renewing, what does it say? Oh, my brain went dead. Renewing you in 2022. I know that sounds strange, doesn't it? And the second one is sending you in 2022. I just used the word you because it's all about you. No, it's not. It's all about Jesus. But we're going to be looking at you. You see, you could have done anything with this 2022, right? Renewing you in 2022 and sending you in 2022. Now, when you look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, you'll see what it's talking about. Because he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we're going to be talking about renewing you, renewing your mind in 2022, because that's how the new believer, the new creation in Christ, someone who believes in Jesus, you change the way you think. See, you might think that oh, that's pretty funny, but listen, that's what they're trying to do with fear. That's what they're trying to do with COVID and with inflation and with this chaos that's going on around the world with wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and plagues and all of these things. They're trying to change the way that you think. And if you think about it, see, the world builds on sand. And there's never a foundation. Their truth is shifting. It can change from one week to the next. Their ideas, their plans, what they ask you to do, what they tell you to do. Just be cool for two weeks. No, wait a minute, it's two years. Just, just be careful. Just do what we tell you. And they're building on sand. But with Christ, he is the rock. There is a solid foundation that you're building on. He's the unchanging one. He doesn't change. And so you renew your mind. Well, how are you renewing your mind? You're changing it to the way that Jesus is, the way Jesus thinks. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So we're saying everything that we learned from the world was shifting sand. And now we want to build upon the rock. And we're going to be transformed. And that's the gist of what I want you to see. Well, why is that all going on, Greg? So that he can send us. Renewing you so that he can send you to the world. He can send you to wherever you can influence people with the word of God, the truth of God, to speak hope into their lives. But if you're confused and you're chasing and you're living on sand and you're standing in, in, in a bad place... You can't share hope with other people. You can't live in a way that they see a living Christ. You can't prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God if you're listening to people who build on sand. You have to listen to the word of God. You have to have your mind renewed. Listen, I know it seems really hard because this is what faith is. You're standing out there and you're going, but wait a minute, we've always done it this way. Wait a minute, we were taught to do it this way. Wait a minute, we're in this system. This system is underneath the sway of the wicked one. And everything that we've learned in our entire life, other than with Christ, if you learn it from the world, I'm just telling you, the whole world, 1 John 5, 19, 
I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. I don't know if you've got a calculator, but you don't need one to know what whole means. It's every bit of it. And so when you listen to any part of it, you're adding sand to a solid foundation. You're adding sand to something that Christ has already made perfect. And you don't want sand in your way tripping you up. You want to stand on that solid foundation. So let's pray. Father, we pray that as we go into this new year, that it would be a new life, a new way of thinking about following you that you would renew our mind and send us to the masses. We know that you've bought us with your precious blood of your son, and you want us to go and live in a way and speak in a way and act in a way that would be like a new creation, that citizenship is in heaven. So, Lord, as your children, we come asking you to teach us and help us to obey you even in uncertain times, even in the storm, even when the world is doing something else, Lord, we ask that we would obey your voice because your children are led by your spirit, not by changing times, not by changing years, not by dates, but we are led by your spirit. So we give you praise now. Teach us and help us to understand what you would call us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read that again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen. We could call this a continuation of the greatest gift ever given. Because in that message for Christmas, I ask you, have you opened the gift? Are you opening the gift? It's the gift that keeps on giving. It comes with power. It comes with instructions. These 66 books by 40 authors are the instructions that come with the greatest gift ever given. The Holy Spirit is the power that comes with the greatest gift ever given. And as we open it, it should change our mind. See, because that's what, when you agree with God, that's what confession is. When you confess your sin, you agree with God. When you begin to follow God and everything that he says, if, you're, if you don't agree with him, guess what? That's sin. You're leading yourself off the path. So what do we want to do? We want to have our mind renewed so that it thinks the same way God does. I want to have the same mind that God has. I want to have the same love, the same character, the same nature, the same citizenship. And that's what he's given us in the package of the greatest gift. It's an inheritance in Christ in the heavenlies. That we're going to be in his house forever. How long is that? Forever. It's everlasting. You can't, you can't enumerate it because God is outside of time. And so we can do that right now. You can experience that right now. Now, I understand we're carrying this body of flesh. I understand that the world's out here. But that's why he wants us to renew our mind. Because the world wants us to think its way that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. The world wants us to continue in self and sin and with Satan. Who is training us and and. and, and keeps teaching us how to live. I don't know if you know, I say this all the time, and I, have, I think I got it from like Tony Evans or somebody, but do you know why an elephant, when you go to the circus, 
stays there on that little bitty stake. Yeah, as a little bitty baby elephant in the jungle or wherever it was born at, it was tied to a sapling that actually had roots. It was tethered to it. It was tied to it. And it would pull and pull and pull, and it could never get it to move. And then as it grew up, it was trained that it could not get away. So now all you need is a little nine-inch stake to put in the ground. And since the rope is still there and the stake is there, everything around it tells its mind that it cannot get away, so don't even try. I, t- I tell people all the time, memorize Scripture. Oh, I can't memorize Scripture. Try. Just try. See, the thing is, is we get our minds st- on a place, we get older and we go, well, you can't teach a new dog old tricks. Well, God says, I'm giving you a new nature, a new heart, a new life, a new chance, and you can start again to renew your mind. You can learn all over, but you have to come to me as children. Now think about it. When you look at that analogy and people come to God as children, how does a child come? You have that little child that knows nothing and you're training its mind. You're training its behavior. You're training everything about it. And that's why it's such a godly thing to raise families. Think about it for a minute because now you've been given a command to train that child in the way that it's supposed to go so that when it's older, it would not turn away therefrom. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be trained so that when the battle comes, we don't turn away therefrom, but we turn to him and trust him by faith in the battle. Can you do that today? Can you understand what I'm saying to you? Because if you don't spend time in the word prayer and fellowship, if you don't spend time having your mind in the way you look at things retrained, renewed in the new creation, then when something happens, the battle comes, you always go after it the same way you always have. Either one, you stand there like the elephant that thinks he's chained to something he can't move, or you run back to whatever it was that bit you, whatever the dog was that bit you, whatever the drug was that you like, whatever the the place you feel comfortable. Listen, salvation doesn't have to be comfortable. In fact, if you're behind enemy lines and you're a soldier in the army of the living God, it's probably never going to be comfortable. And if you're comfortable, you need to be shaken awake. Because this is a battle. It's not a playground, it's a battleground for your soul. And that's an important thing. That's so important that God died and poured out his blood so that it could be saved. And then we all try to save ourselves. I'm going to save myself. I got me a little plan here. Me and the good old boy upstairs, we got this worked out. Guess what? That plan is going to fail. It will never happen. There's only one plan. Guess who he is? He's Jesus Christ. There's only a one anointed Mashiach of God. There's only one way for salvation. Only one name by which men can be saved. Jesus, the Christ. Power in the name. Any other way you're trying to save yourself. Any other way is works. Any other way is false, deceptive. It's building on sand. So God says, do it my way. And then Paul, when he's writing to the Romans who he's never met, He's never met these people, but he cares for them. He cares for them. In fact, if you go read the book of Acts, he ends up being shipwrecked and all kinds of crazy stuff just to get to Rome. Just so he can have some fruit in Rome of sharing and teaching the word of God. So when he gets to this, listen, when he gets here, he... I get excited about the word of God. Let me calm down just a minute. Take a breath. Take a break. Get you a drink of water. 
He says, I beseech you or urge you. I plead with you. He's begging them. This is what this word means. It has all that connotation. He says, I'm begging you, therefore, and that, that means because of the whole 11 chapters. You can have that as homework if you'd like. Everything that he's already said to the Roman church. He says, I beg you, brethren and sistren, by the mercies of God, maybe better said, considering the mercies of God. Because when you consider the mercy of God, he says that you should present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, your reasonable act of worship. Reasonable act of worship is what he's talking about. Oh, I'm worshiping God. Really? Well, the reasonable act of worship that God says is acceptable is to submit completely to him, surrender to him, become a living sacrifice to him. You know, you understand he's referring to the Old Testament where the priest would be standing there and you would walk up and you'd know you had sinned or know that it was the Day of Atonement, know that you'd done, and you'd bring your little, your little animal up there that you've already checked it over and said, this one looks spotless, and you'd bring it up to the priest and it was going, and the priest would take a knife as you held its head and just slit its throat. And the blood would begin to run out. Blood white on that, or red on that white wool. And you would know something died. Think about it for a minute. It was living and it died right there because of your sin. Because that's how they did it. And it was only to cover sin. It was never to take away sin. It was only so you could be in the presence of God for another year. But then Jesus, it all pointed to Jesus coming and dying on a cross. That greatest gift ever given grew up. At 30 years of age, he started an itinerant preaching ministry. He went around preaching the kingdom of God. And then they killed him. They hung him on a cross. Oh, that was a pretty simple way to put it, wasn't it? Oh, no, yeah. The first day, betrayed him, arrested him, spit on him, mocked him, beat him, threw him in a hole. Then they nailed him to a tree. Oh, first they made him carry his own cross and drag it through the streets of Jerusalem. And then they got him to Golgotha, and they dropped him in a hole. And he had to hang there. And I don't know if you knew, if you ever see some of the pictures, but there's a little stake that they hung on. There was really really possibly only one nail on his hands and one nail on his feet, crossed over. And it was really possibly only a stick, not really a cross like we talk about. But I'm just saying possibly. He could have been stretched out like this. But either way, hanging there with the weight of his body caused him to suffocate, pushing pressure down on the lungs. Isn't it interesting that COVID puts pressure on the lungs? And causes people to suffocate. Listen to me. I, I know I shouldn't even have went there because it just freaks you guys out. But the only way for him to breathe was to push up on the pain of his feet off of that peg. They did that cruelly on purpose. They had the nails put right in where the nerves were at so that they could put just bring the most amount of pain to the criminals because they only crucified the worst criminals against Rome. That's the, only, that's the way they would kill them. And he took our pain. 
He took our curse, cursed as everyone hangs on a tree. He poured out his blood as an atoning sacrifice for you and me. Something that we could never do. We could never be perfect. He lived a perfect life and he gave us his righteousness. And it's accounted to our account when we believe. Just by believing, not by doing anything. Because make no mistake, after you're saved, before you can never do anything to be saved except to believe the gospel truth. That's why you and I are being sent. We are sending you in 2022 to tell other people about Jesus Christ. That's what God does with his church. That's the only thing you've been called to do is the ministry of reconciliation. And how do you reconcile people? Tell them the truth. Tell them about Jesus. That's the only way for anybody to be reconciled to God is just to hear and then believe in their heart. That's it. No matter what you might think about salvation, even after you believe, you can't work your way into any better standing. How could you get better than Christ's righteousness by the work that you do? And so often we stumble by this because we think that if I do more work, God's going to like me better. You know how you go to the job and the new job and you think if I do this and I do this and, and then I'm going to show the boss that I got these skills. Listen, you can't change God's love for you. He already gave you all of his love. He already gave you all of his perfect righteousness. You can't mess up and mess up that righteousness once you've received it. That's the gospel. You didn't earn it. It was a gift. You can't kick it away if you received it really. You can't get rid of it by being mean if you received it really. But you're called to walk it out. You're called to go and tell people about it. Because if you really have received this, there'll be nothing else in your heart that you'll want to do except tell people. If you've really received. Now, everybody tells people differently. Everybody don't do it. Everybody doesn't have the gift of evangelism or preaching or teaching. We have different gifts, and as a body, we do this together. Sometimes you don't see the people that clean the church or do all the other things, make the bulletins, and, and prepare the, the entire building for Sunday morning service. All of us are working together as a body. You don't see the things that went on in my brain and my heart and as I studied or the books that I laid out or the things that I did to get to this place here. But what you get is the message that the Holy Spirit wants you to have. There's a lot more that goes on other than just preaching and teaching. In fact, I think I'm up here because I'm the most uh, uh, disobedient to God. So he has to keep me in a place where I'll try to do the right thing by his power, by his spirit. So um, listen to me, just because somebody can be seen before you doesn't mean that they're any better than somebody that's a prayer warrior sitting in the chair, that's a prayer warrior at home for Christ. We all work together and we all need each other, but we're so confused in the body of Christ today because of building on sand and not on the truth of the word of God. Listen to me. He wants you to be a living sacrifice. What's the problem with living sacrifices? They get up. See, he didn't slice your throat. He died for you. <clears throat> he gives you free will. He gives you a choice. So the living sacrifice can get up and wander off, walk off, do their own thing. They can make up their own plan. They can try to save themselves. So as an act of your will, you have to surrender and understand that you will deceive yourself out of salvation if you're not careful. 
You will think you're okay when you're living in the most unholy way. Because we always make excuses for our own sin and our own life. So that's why we need the Word of God. You need the truth of God and a steady intake that continues to shine in your face and you see that you're not God. You're not doing the saving. But God's the one that's renewing you as you surrender to Him as a living sacrifice. Well, what does it mean here? Present your body. Well, that's not present. For anybody that's still thinking that word means present, it's spelled the same way. has a little bit different enunciation. He's the greatest gift ever given, and we want to be in His presence, and then we want to present, not present ourselves, but present ourselves. Page one. Page two. Sorry, my brain went. It means to stand beside. Present means to stand beside. Think about it. If they was walking the sheep up there, and it was standing beside them, and they were holding it, and the priest was getting ready, it's standing beside. It means to yield up. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. What are you presenting your bodies to? What are you presenting your bodies to? What have you been presenting your body to? Listen to me because there's a whole lot of stuff in Christianity that we think we go to church on Sunday and then we can go present our eyes and our bodies, our hands, our works, everything that we do to the world all week long and we're okay. But no matter where you go and what you do, the Lord is with you if you believe in Jesus Christ and you're attached to Him out of faith. So, in your spare time, what are you presenting your body to? In your private time, what are you presenting your body to? A living sacrifice. Now, the word sacrifice there means either the the animal or the person or the act itself. So it can mean either thing. Uh, And it says holy. Uh Uh-oh, i got to present myself holy to God? It's the word for saint. Hagios. means consecrated. It means set apart. It means holy. Morally clean. Physically clean. That's, That's a scary word, really, when you think about it. But none of us have that of our own selves. It's been given to us as a gift from God. His righteousness, His holiness, His perfection now is on your account. You had an account that you owed God your whole life. You had an account that you owed God everything. You couldn't pay for it. You was a sinner. You deserved death. And Jesus comes up and pays it for you. So now your account is paid for. It's completely wiped clean. Now you're holy because He's holy. Now you're holy practically, positionally, everything Because he's holy. That's who you are. Because God doesn't own anything that's not holy. Listen to me. This is very important. I always use the one for gambling. You could, maybe it's even a lottery ticket. I believe believe gambling's uh, uh, evil. I believe it destroys lives. I believe it's just another one of the sins and we make it legal. But you can actually go out and gamble, win a whole bunch of money. That's dirty money. Maybe you sell drugs. It's dirty money. 
When you give it to the church or give it to God for his service, you know what? It becomes holy instantly because it's God's now. Anything that belongs to God's is holy or it's not God's because God doesn't have anything that's not holy. So if you believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And if you're saved, the spirit comes in and seals you. You now become part of his house. So you're holy instantly. Whether you feel it or not, because sometimes I don't feel saved, I don't feel holy, but I know that I am positionally. What am I doing right now with you guys? We're renewing our minds. See, if you're living your life when something happens and you're saying, I'm unholy, I'm unclean, I'm undeserving, I don't know what's going on, you're not walking in your inheritance that Christ gave you. You're not understanding your identity that you are now in Christ and you have a message to go out and tell others that it's freely given in salvation. It's your new identity because you were reborn into the family of God and you're being trained, you're being renewed, you're learning what it means to be adopted into God's family. You don't have to live like vagabonds and nomads and thieves and robbers and sinners with the old nature anymore. You can begin to appropriate the new nature, the new mind, the mind of Christ, even when you don't really believe it yet. What? Yeah. Even when you can't really grasp it, that's what faith is. You believe God because he said it, he spoke it, he, he died to give it to you. While you're opening the package, you see that's my inheritance and you take a hold of it. And you're going, I don't believe that he's really going to come through in this. And you test him and you prove that that salvation is real. You prove that he really did give you this gift. And it's going to go on the rest of your life. You're going to be proving, testing what the perfect will of God is. Learning, finding out how to walk in it. Learning how to go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Learning how to open the package. You keep opening it. You're going to find something new. Grace keeps growing. The more I grow in Christ, I realize I don't even understand grace. I mean... I thought it was just God's riches at Christ's expense, but every day that grace seems more and more because it opens your eyes more as you spend time with Christ, presenting your body a living sacrifice, holy, set apart. You know that, and you guys have heard me repeat this, and I like to be tedious, you know that in the temple they had all the shields, the spears, they had the tableware, they had the candle, everything in there, all of it, wood covered with gold, and it's, it's brand new, right? As soon as somebody took it down and ate, drank from one cup or banged up something, started to get nicks and scratches, guess what? It was still God's. It was still consecrated. It was still holy. So with all of your scratches, with all your scars, with all of your life's experiences, you can still be holy and in God's house and set apart for his use. The problem is, what are you presenting your bodies to? If that's your position and you're still presenting your body to ungodliness, you're still presenting your body to the world, you're still presenting your body to the lies that are built on sand, you're never going to feel or know or understand your identity. You have to begin by faith presenting your body to God. Say, here I am, send me. 
Lord, give me a desire to get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. What are my gifts, talents, and abilities? How do I go about this Christian life? You begin to talk to him and get your mind renewed. And you don't have to read this. You should and go, I believe that. What you have to do is read it and understand it's part of the gift. It's part of the package. It's part of the greatest gift ever given. And it's who you are in Christ. And the devil can't take it. The world can't take it. They didn't give it to you. God did. And you begin to renew your mind and understand who you are. And you're going to fight because your flesh is in there too. Your mind still wants to think a different way sometimes. Your mind still wants to go a different way sometimes. Your mind still wants to say, yeah, but this one's never going to work for me because it, I, nothing's worked for me my whole life. It might work for you, pastor. Listen, that's the way you were trained from a child up. Now you've become a newborn, reborn, and you must be reborn to inherit the kingdom of God. There is no other way to get to heaven. You must be reborn in the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus. And if you become a newborn babe in Christ as a child, you begin to learn how to do things all over again. I remember specifically as, as a newborn some 24 years ago, getting before God and saying, you know what, if it's in my brain, if it's in my heart, if it's in my life and I don't need it anymore, take it. Be gracious with me, Lord, but just take it. Take it out. Remove it. And, and, and I remember going through things in my mind like, oh, my goodness, you did that. I did that. What, and you start to track through it and just ask God to take care of it. Clean it up. This is how you renew your mind. And you might be reading your Bible. I, I remember distinctly. I still get it, but not the same way I did when I first started reading my Bible. And you're reading your Bible, and you're going, man, that is so cool. And then all of a sudden, these ungodly thoughts come in. And God's washing your brain. He's washing and renewing your mind, renewing your life, reminding you of the stone you come from, but also telling you of the inheritance you've been given in Christ because of Christ, not because of you, not because of me, not because of anything we have done. This is what he does. As little bitty children, he begins to train us all over again. That's why he says, suffer the little children to come to me. Listen, he already knows everything you've ever done. Everything you've ever thought, every place you've ever been, and he died and says, I forgive you. Isn't that amazing? Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, he died. He didn't wait for you to clean up your life in order to give you salvation. Where are you presenting your bodies? Oh, yeah, we come to church on Sunday and we say, I'm going to go listen to the pastor. Maybe I'll find something there to help my life. No, this, the, the Word of God is everything you need for your life and godliness. This is not just a little feeding station. You should be getting the Word of God all week long. That's why we encourage you to read through your Bible all week long. Every day, spending time in the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship Pick up a schedule back here. Read through the Bible with us this year. Understand that this is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And it's a discerner. It judges the thoughts and intents of your heart. So what's it doing? It's telling you 
when you're living like the old person or the new person. It's judging the thoughts and intents of your heart. Saying, wait a minute, that's, that's not a living sacrifice. That's old life. You're running back to that. You're presenting your body to the wrong thing. Come back over here to the altar. Come back over here to God. Come back over here where the Spirit's leading you at. So when you're in the Word, it's a mirror to your soul. James calls it. You look into that perfect law of liberty and you go, boy, I'm done in, ain't I? But the grace of God, the blood of Jesus sets me free because this is who I am in Christ. So where are you presenting your bodies? Holy. Oh, acceptable to God? Oh my goodness. It means well-pleasing to God. Fully agreeable. Uh-oh, there's that word again. I agree, God. See, that's a repentance. Real repentance means I thought I could do it this way. I thought I could do anything I wanted, but wait a minute. God's instruction in the Word of God says, no, it has to be this way. This is my plan of salvation. And you go, I agree, God. If you want to be pleasing to God, it has to be by faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, um, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you first must believe that He is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's no way to be pleasing to God without faith. And by faith, I agree with what he says, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, even when I don't understand it, I am fully agreeable to God. That's a living sacrifice. That's someone whose life is surrendered. You just say, okay, God, I believe you. I trust you. You've already given me your most prized possession. You've already saved me from hell. And, and you have my best interest at mind. Why would I not listen? See, now let me give you the reverse of that. Boom. You got earthly parents and children, and they don't listen. The parents going, I want to do everything for you. I'm trying to take care of you. Don't you understand? This is how I got to this place is that I grew up. And now I'm doing everything. I'm working. I'm taking care of you. And you won't listen. And that kid's sitting there going, my parents are so stupid. My parents don't know nothing. My parents, they, they think that everything's all about this, and I really know better. Listen to me. It's the same thing as you become a child of God. Now you're still reading the Word, listening to the Word, and you go, it'll be all right. And you have the same type of mind toward God's Word that you don't have to obey it. You don't want to listen. And He has everything that's perfect. Now, earthly parents... They might have messed up some. Okay, we'll do it. The earthly parents, they messed up bad, okay? But you were still supposed to obey them. It's actually the first commandment. It's the fourth one. It's the first one with a promise. You know what the promise is? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? So you will live long in the land. If you don't obey authority, the first lesson in the house is you die. It's death. It's death of you, of you. That's why they were supposed to stone them with big rocks. Now, to be fair, you don't read the Bible anywhere and find no child stoned with rocks. Right? The, the, the hardest scripture you get is beat them with a rod, for you won't kill them. You'll deliver their soul from hell. And, and then it never shows anybody beating a child with a rod. Because it's a euphemism for go as far as you need to go to make sure that child's heart is trained in the way it's supposed to go. Every child is different. Just like us in the body of Christ, we become newborn children and every one of us are different. 
Every one of us have went through different things. Every one of us has had an old mind that was in a sin nature, and now we need to renew our mind and become children of God in the body of Christ and learn how to do things all over again. See, if you hold on to the old ways, I've had people actually tell me that. I can't change. Then you don't understand the gospel. You don't have to change. What you have to do is be a living sacrifice that puts your, hand, puts your body in the master's hands and he will change you. If you just agree with the master, you'll wake up and be changed. But if you fight against him and want to live in the old life and keep building on sand, you'll wake up in hell. Because it's not true salvation. True salvation has agreed with God, confessed to God that I need salvation. True salvation surrenders to this God who loved us and gave his life for us. True salvation doesn't go on kicking and fighting and screaming and yelling in his face and saying, I will not obey. That was the sin nature. That was Adam and Eve in the garden doing their own thing. When you see this love, you stop fighting. You stop trying to save yourself. And you begin to be agreeable with what God says. Now listen, listen, there's none of that. Oh, well, that's the word of God. And that's what Greg believes. And oh, that's just the Bible. Really? The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is the living word of God. The Bible says that God spoke and created. God sent his word to heal the land. How do you have your mind changed? Through the word of God. Through the truth of God. Through the ways of God. Through the character of God. Through the unchanging God who is rock solid and never changes. You guys getting this? You have to put all your eggs in one basket and say, I trust him. He came to die for us, to take us home. He'll get us across the finish line if you trust him. He defeated the devil. He's, he's defeated death. How did he defeat death? With death. How are you going to defeat your sin nature, which you was born dead? I don't know if you knew that. And when you believe in Christ, you come alive with the Spirit breathes in you again. How do you defeat death? The same way Jesus did with death. You die to self. And you have your mind renewed. It's the only way that you're going to ever have evidence that you truly believe in Christ. That you're truly living for Christ. If you're still alive to self and sin and Satan, you're not understanding this life that you've been given. You know, this life that you've been given is not to live. It's to lay it down as a living sacrifice. I, I, I remember when God first showed me this, but if you try to keep living your life, to live your life backward is evil. The word live backward is evil. Listen to me. You'll wake up one day and you'll have lived it. This life is not to live. Lived backward is devil. If you try to live this life yourself, your way, without Christ and his way, you end up dead. That's what lived is. The devil got you. He tricked you, even though you had truth in your face, even though you had the word of God, 66 books, 40 authors telling you instruction, and you refuse to hear the instruction, and you're going to wake up lived. I lived my life my way. I did it my way. One of the most evilest songs on the planet. 
And everybody celebrates it. In fact, in music, they'll tell you it's one of the greatest songs ever. I did it my way? Really? I bet you're in hell then. Because lived means it's backward and it spells the devil. Life doesn't spell anything backward. When you've been given life. Now look, we're going to flip over. Keep your finger in Romans 12. But I want to go back to what Jesus says in Mark 8. Verse 34, I want you to see this in case you think that I'm just making it up. I want you to see that it's in the Bible. I'm not making anything up for you. Mark 8, 34, Jesus is there speaking. He's trying to let them know that he's going to go defeat death with death. See, he obeyed God perfectly and then gave it to you. He died to what he wanted to do. Even in the garden, if you'll remember in Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if there's any way, take this cup. He wanted to stay with the boys. He wanted to hang out in fellowship. But death was why he was born. He was born to die for you and me. And if we want to be like Christ, look what he says. When he had called the people to himself. Notice this. Jesus doesn't call anybody to church. Jesus doesn't call people to denominations. He calls people to himself, to a personal love relationship. Listen, lots of people say, I go to this church, I go to that church, I do this, I do that. Listen, do you know Jesus? That's eternal life according to John 17, 3, that you know Jesus Christ personally. He called the people to himself with his disciples also. That means those that are willing to learn. What do you do when you learn? You agree with the professor. Think about it. You go to college. Why do you go to college? You go to learn. You go to learn what? You go to learn from the gurus of this world that are building on sand. And you go there and you don't sit up and argue with a professor. And you listen to all the nonsense that they tell you. And you get a degree for it. Well, you know what? If you'll be agreeable with Christ and surrender to Him, you'll get a a college degree. You'll get a crown. You'll get life and that more abundantly. You'll get a renewed mind. See, they're they're changing people's minds in our schools of higher learning today by indoctrinating them with lies. That's why they took Jesus out of every textbook. They took Jesus out of every law. They took Jesus out of every courtroom. They took Jesus out of everything. Oh, you say, no, I just watched this movie the other night called Chosen. Oh, I just watched this show the other night. It had Jesus in it. Although, yeah, Hollywood loves to throw some Jesus in some stuff. Guess what? That ain't the Jesus of the Bible. And nothing like him. That's a Jesus of your flesh. That's a Jesus of sin and self and Satan. That's some other guy. It ain't the Jesus of the Bible. You're not going to get any Jesus of the Bible from Hollywood and from the TV. From... The, from uh, uh, What's that station? They have all the books. National Geographic station. You know what? They would rather tell you that the people, the children of Israel in the wilderness survived in the wilderness because they made an algae-making machine. You guys ever seen that one on the History Channel? Made an algae-eating machine and they ate algae instead of bread and manna from heaven. That's the kind of stuff you get on the History Channel. That's the kind of stuff you get on American Geographic is a bunch of secular nonsense that builds on sand that doesn't even make sense unless you're just looking for an excuse not to die. You're looking for an excuse 
not to be a living sacrifice. If you're looking for an excuse not to live this life that Christ has given you, not to open the package, not to walk it out, guess what? You don't need to go anywhere. Just let your own heart, your own self be your master still. See, because Jesus ain't your co-pilot, he's the pilot. Jesus ain't a doctor, he's the whole hospital. He's your all in all, he's everything. And if you don't surrender to him, you'll lead yourself away by listening to your sin nature, to yourself and to Satan, the world that's underneath it. And you'll walk away and you'll think you're okay. That's why selling this lie in the churches that if you just say a prayer, you're saved. That's why it sells so good because people go to church, they go one, two times, they say a prayer, they give their life to Jesus and they go away and live their life any way they want and they think they're okay. That's not salvation. Look here, this is what this is. When he had called the people to himself, Mark 8, 20, or 34, with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever, this is the whomsoever of John three sixteen, desires, this is your free will, to come after me. Notice, he called him to himself, and now you have to come after him. When he calls you, you hear his voice, and you follow him. He knows you, and you follow him. Let him deny himself. There's the self-life. Number one enemy is self. Number one deception is self-deception. Deny self and take up his cross. Now listen to me. Today we have, oh, I got one of them on my neck. Listen, listen. Cross in those days, everybody there when he was speaking this out loud, knew that it was the worst form of punishment that the Roman government offered. It was like the electric chair of today or the hangman's noose of the Western days. They knew that this was talking about when he said, take up your cross, die. Because you cannot defeat death unless you die. If you go on in self and sin and Satan, if you go on doing it your way, you're still living. What's he going to say? Let's watch him. Take up your cross and do what? Follow me, which means be in the way with me, which has the connotation of agreeing with what he says. Going the same way. Where's he at? He's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. That's where we want to be. So if you follow him, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, Spirit of truth, these are the children of God can't be led around by the nose by every idea, every sickness, every uh, uh, newscast, everything that's in the world. You make your decisions based upon what God says, not based upon what the world says that are building on sand with tactics to try to trick you into following them. Watch this, 35. For whoever desires, there it is again, whomsoever desires to save his life, that's the word soder, we get soteriology, we get salvation from. It's the same word uh, for salvation, soter. If you try to save your own life, you'll lose it. Hang on to your life, you'll lose it. So you can't save yourself. There's only one salvature that has come. There's only one Christ. You can't make up your own way. But whoever loses, dies his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Notice he said, and the gospel. Because if you believe, you're agreeing to become a witness. You're agreeing that you've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus and your life is not your own. But you're going to be a living sacrifice and die and let his spirit live through you and take you where you need to be and change you and renew you 
and prove you by testing you and sometimes, yes, persecuting you. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. I know we don't hear this in our churches today. And I'm not being proud or haughty about that. But people just teach if you come to church and you tithe, you're okay. It'll be fine. You get to go to heaven. Listen, we're not trying to build our own kingdom. We're trying to promote Jesus and his kingdom. The same way Jesus came and was speaking about the Father and his kingdom. And because he did that and then died and rose again, he tells us in Matthew 28, 18, that all power has been given to him in heaven and on earth. Because he died and defeated death, he was given the name above all names. And if you want to take his name in marriage, you have to die also. You have to be associated. You have to be crucified with Christ. Think about this for a minute. I was thinking about this morning. I was like, oh my goodness, that was crazy. These boys are freaked out when they crucified Jesus. They went through the crucifixion with him. Literally, think about it. In this culture, in this day and age, in the, in the way that they thought, everybody grew up to have a rabbi, to have a teacher, to have someone lead them in the ways of God. And they had been sent home from school saying, go home. We're not going to teach you anymore. You just don't have what it takes, Peter. You don't have what it takes, Thaddeus. You don't have what it takes. I'm sorry, James and John. You guys got a little zeal, but you don't have what it takes. Simon, you're a zealot. You don't have what it takes. And they sent them all home from school and said, we're not going to teach you anymore. We've chosen these other ones to teach. See, because every young kid grew up wanting a rabbi, wanting a teacher, wanting to be part of the kingdom of God and, and, and what the, the spiritual age was doing. And then this rabbi, this itinerant preacher comes and they're out fishing with their dads and they're doing all these other things. And he goes, and he goes, look, the teacher's calling you. And he starts calling them and choosing them from the back of the line. The world had rejected them and he's calling them. And they go, man. And then after three and a half years, they watch him get killed. They had put their whole life. They had come to believe that he was the Messiah, the Mashiach of God. But they still had the false teaching that the Messiah was going to raise up this kingdom right there on earth. They didn't understand that he was going to die first to defeat death. And see, sometimes Christians don't understand that. In order to defeat death, you have to die to what you want to do and go do what you need to do so that your mind can be renewed. Because if you keep feeding the old mind, it's never going to be renewed. It has to be renewed. If you keep doing things the same way you've always done them, your mind doesn't get renewed. Your heart doesn't get changed. You don't react the same way you always do to situations. You learn to trust God and he teaches you a new way of faith to follow him. And if you try to hang on to that old life, you're going to lose your life completely, eternally. That's what he just said. If you desire to save yourself, you'll lose your life. And whoever loses... Deny your feelings. Deny your emotions. Listen, I'm not telling you they're not real. I'm just telling you you want to follow truth or your emotions and your feelings and what you want to do and your old sin nature will put you in a ditch. And if you deny your life for his sake and for the gospel, the good news of salvation, that's how you're going to be saved. For what will it profit a man if he gains, listen, the whole world? Listen, we need to be intentional about this stuff because people are intentional about gaining the whole world. They're intentional about getting the most toys to win. But what will it 
profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What are you being intentional about? Oh, I believe in Jesus. I agree with God, but I'm pretty intentional about making sure I get all the money I can get. Well, Greg, we needed to live. Listen, God pays my paycheck. I don't have to be intentional about going out and doing anything. He bought me. I, I belong to him. He's a good God. He's a good father. He takes care of his house. I can trust him. If I do the natural, he'll do the supernatural. But if I'm doing the unnatural, I can't expect him to do supernatural things in my life. If I'm still living my own way, saving myself, chasing the world and building on sand, I cannot expect God to do supernatural stuff in my life. But that's the way most of Christianity lives. I'm following what the news says. I'm following what the world says. I'm following what everybody else in the world does. And it's a system that's underneath Satan designed to lead you to hell so that you do not trust by faith what God is doing. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Interesting, huh? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, really, that's the whole crux? Being ashamed of God and his word? Because that's all you can do with witnesses is talk about Jesus and his word, what he said. Paul said in 116 of Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel of God. It is the power of salvation unto those who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. But much of the church is ashamed of the word. In fact, they're not just ashamed of it. They're illiterate to it. They don't understand the word of God. They don't have a relationship with God. They ignore it. They're intentional about doing everything for the flesh, but not intentional about learning the gospel, learning what has been given to them as an inheritance. And so it goes. Are you ashamed of the gospel? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. That's at harvest time. Listen, I urge you, I plead with you, I beg you, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifices, holy because of Christ, acceptable to God. Not acceptable to the world. See, that's who we want to please. I want to dress like them, act like them, be like them. I want to chase what they're doing. I want to be acceptable to the world because it hurts when people don't like me. Really, you know how bad it's going to hurt when you go to hell? We're just worried about people liking us? I'm worried about them agreeing with what I'm saying? Are you kidding me? We're going to go to hell if we don't agree with what God says. And if you agree with what God says, then you begin to ask him what else he wants you to do. That's true salvation. Anything else you're trying to save yourself, you will lose your life. What will you give in exchange for your own soul? What will you receive? What is it that, that, that you want to sacrifice to and worship that's worth your own soul? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, this is the reasonable service of the child of God. The reasonable worship is to be intentional about not being conformed to what the world is doing, but to make sure you're intentional about being transformed. This is what worshipers of God do. They're intentional because there's an intent out there of the devil to rob, kill, and destroy you. 
to deceive you, to make you feel good about yourself. And the only good self is what? A dead self. That's the only good self. That's why there's an entire industry out there called psychology that tries to build up your self-esteem. You need Christ-esteem, not self-esteem. The problem with our lives is we have too much self and sin and Satan. People, people always think, oh, well, if I just thought better about myself. No, you think too much about yourself. That's your problem. You think it's all about you. Listen to me. We all suffer this problem. It's part of the sin nature. But when your eyes are only on self, you're going to die. You're only taking care of self. You're trying to save yourself. The way to defeat death is to die to self, dead to self. And then Christ will give you life. Think about it. When the little child is throwing a fit and stomping his feet on the ground, what is he thinking about? He's thinking about just himself and what he wants. That's the same way the Christian does. Why did they get it? Why do they got it? Why is that? And, and God's taking care of them, but he's not taking care of me. And they're throwing little spiritual fits. But they don't want to die. They don't want to lay their life down. They don't want to give themselves away. So do not be conformed. Conformed is to be fashioned like. Think about it. It's a really simple word, conformed. To be fashioned like what? The world. Oh, I like what she's wearing. I'm going to wear what she wears. Oh, I, I like what they're doing. I'm going to do what they do. Oh, I like this. This is Listen to me. I'm serious about this because their music, their fashion, their art, their books, it all leads you to hell. Go check it out. Go watch what they're doing. Why does every little girl want to dress like Britney Spears? Why does every little girl want to dress like... You, name, you fill in the blank. Why does every little boy want to be like Mike? I want to be like Christ. I know that dates me. But you fill in the blank. Be like LeBron. Be like whoever. Fill in the blank. No matter of money that you get changes your heart. It doesn't renew your mind. You still are dead. You still go to hell. I don't care if you're a millionaire or not. You still go to hell. Being like the world. We got to wake up to this and then still live in it behind enemy lines. See, you can be in it, but you don't have to be of it. You can be in the world and still have the mind of Christ if you allow him to renew your mind as you surrender and do the natural. Get in the word, prayer and fellowship. Learn what he's done for you. Open the package. Enjoy the inheritance. Be set free. Or you can be conformed to the pattern of this life. Fashioning self according to this life. That's what it is. When you follow the norms and the fashions and the systems of the world that are diametrically opposed to God. Listen, I'm just reading the scriptures to you. But what are we supposed to do? There's a big but there. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, if you keep doing it, just like you've always done it, you're being conformed. But in order to be transformed, metamorphose, metamorphi, 
That means to become changed into another creation. Old has passed away, the new has come. We become new creations in Christ. Old things pass away, behold, the new has come. That's yours to pick up. That's yours to take. That's yours to open. That's yours to agree with God about and be agreeable with him as he changes you by the washing of the water through the word. Metamorpho. It's like a, um, transfiguring is what it's used when Jesus is transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. You used to be physically minded. Now you want to be spiritually minded in everything. If you are a Christian, if you believe in Jesus Christ, Paul tells us don't think of anything else as physical anymore. Everything has a spiritual connotations because everything's either there to teach you and instruct you in the way to go or it's there to lie to you, to deceive you and rob, kill and destroy you. You have to understand it in a spiritual sense. You ever been in the, oh, maybe not, school, college, and the teacher says, okay, you thought this, don't ever think that again. I went to a Spanish class like that. I quit. Second, second class, the Spanish teacher said, nobody gets to speak in English anymore. And I said, we don't know Spanish. He says, no, no more English. I quit. See, he wanted me to renew my mind. He wanted me to change the way I speak. But he didn't give me any instruction in how to do it. And professors will do that. Teachers will do that. When you go on the job, I remember when I, I learned to type, like I'm a henpecker. You guys, anybody henpeckers? And then somebody bought me a typing book and tried to give me instruction and said, put your fingers on the home keys. I was twice as slow. I had learned to do it already, and I could do about 60 words a minute henpecking. But I was getting about 25 trying to go, oh, let me relearn this thing. And I just couldn't do it. Never could do it. Still can't do it. I can still henpeck pretty good. With both hands. <laughs> somebody was laughing at me for texting that way the other day. Are you being conformed or transformed? Are you being conformed to this world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one? Or are you being transformed by the renewing of your mind? Let me talk about renewing. It's the renovation. It's called renovation. You know, like that one show that does complete home makeover. They come down and tear down all the walls. That's what Jesus wants to do. Tear down all the old decor. Tear down all the ways you used to do stuff and completely renew your mind. And it, it comes from a word that means to completely change for the better. See, because we've been taught to think the way Satan wants us to think. We've been taught to act the way that rebellion does. Everything that we do has been in rebellion toward God. Everything that we learned from the moment before we knew Christ was from rebellion. So many people, what they do is they clean up the outside they put on the fashion of the church. They put on the legal ease or the Christian ease of the church, but they don't renew their mind. So you can go to church and look just like the church. You can dress like the church. You can walk like the church. You can pretend like a church, right? On Sunday, it's real easy. But what happens when you hit the wrong nail with the hammer on Monday morning in front of everybody at the water fountain? What comes out of your heart? See, when your mind is renewed, that doesn't come out of your heart the same way it used to always come out. See, it's easy to conform on the outside, but God wants the heart. 
Is your heart being renewed? Is your mind, will, and emotions being renewed by the word of God so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Are you evidence of the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Christ wants to renew you in 2022. So I would encourage you to get into the word prayer and fellowship. I would encourage you to, to, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice and allow him to renew your mind, the way you think, the way you act, what you do. Because we can't keep being conformed and then still call ourselves the church. And that goes for all of us. I can preach to myself the same message. I could sit down there and hear it the same way. I've just been called to stand up here. All of us are conformed and built on sand in certain ways, but we're supposed to be transformed, renewed, and proved. We should be the evidence. He's renewing you. Why? Because he wants to use you. He's renewing you because he wants to use you. Well, let's do a couple texts and we'll close. Go to Philippians chapter 3. Are you unwrapping the gift? Did you receive the gift? Chapter 3, I'm just going to go, I typically do 1 through, uh, all the way through the chapter, but we're just going to do 12 and following. Because listen, this is something that Paul said. Here's Paul writing three quarters of the New Testament. Paul's running around and people want to know what he has to think about this because they know that the Spirit of God is using him, that he's dying to self. They, they, they know what's going on. And he says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Listen, nobody has arrived. We're all growing. It's 3.12 of Philippians. We're all growing together. But there's different stages of growth. Some people are babes. They just got born again and they need milk and they're growing. Some people are mature and they should be going. They should be living their life. They should be standing strong and helping others to, that, that need milk. They should be an example, a pattern. They should already be doing what they're supposed to be doing. This shouldn't be a surprise. They should already be living a life for Christ. They've been in the church for a long time. If they were, People have been in church for so long across the world, that if they were physical, we would be freaking out looking for an expert because they're paralyzed and they do nothing. And if a baby was to live two or three years and do nothing, we would definitely be calling it handicapped. There's something wrong. This is a special needs child. And most of the church are special need Christians. They don't want to die. So they keep doing what they've always done and they never grow to maturity. They never have need of meat of the word of God. But Paul says, um, and all you have to do is check his testimony if you want to know about Paul. This is a guy that had been shipwrecked three times for Christ. He had been beaten, left for dead. This is a guy that lost his wife, his entire historicity of the, uh, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he said. I mean, this was a guy that his teacher, Gamaliel, said the only problem he ever had with Paul is he couldn't keep enough literature in his hand because he just, he just digested it. He just studied everything. He knew the Old Testament by heart. And he said, I count that all dung compared to the knowledge of Christ. See, because Christ has called us to him. And all of this stuff in the world is dung compared to knowing who Christ is. 
Because that's eternal life. And that's what he said in the first 11 verses. That he wanted to know him. And he says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected or complete is the word, maturing, but I press on. He says, I press on. See, because some people, they, get, they, they say a prayer and they think, well, that's it. I said a prayer. Well, think about if you did that in a marathon or in a race or a 100-yard dash and all you did was the gun went off and you took off and then you just stopped. You never finished the race. There's a whole body of the race. There's a finish line to cross. But we expect to get the crown and we don't even press on? Listen, God is renewing you in 2022. He wants to use you in 2022. And he's going to send you in 2022 to the people around you if you'll listen. He said he presses on. You know, three times, this is four times it's translated press on, this statement is. But you know what, it's three times, it's three times translated suffer persecution. That's what that word is right here for press on, just means continue living a life behind enemy lines and preaching the gospel, and he knows he could suffer persecution. He's going to press on in the face of death, in the face of persecution. He says he he isn't complete, because no one's complete till they see Christ face to face. But I press on. Why are you pressing on, Paul? That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Do you know why Christ laid hold of you? Why did he purchase you with his blood? Why would God purchase us? Why would he do such a thing to give his only begotten son's blood to atone for our sin so that we could be in his family? And we could be redeemed and restored back to the Father. Isn't that amazing? That's what Paul was aiming for. That's what he was pressing on to. He wasn't looking for fire insurance. He wasn't looking to feel good about himself. I mean, if he was looking to feel good about himself, he'd have said what everybody else was saying. He'd have been conformed to the world. He would have kept his wife. Gamaliel took his wife from him, historicity tells us, when he chose to follow Jesus. He lost his wife and his children according to culture. One of his sons might have traveled with him. He could, have been, he could have said the right thing, and he would have kept everything. But he chose Christ. He chose to press on. And he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. That word count there is, is like an accounting term. Count. He doesn't count himself. It's reality. Listen, if you call today or scan on your phone today and your bank account says you have $100 in it, that's reality. You don't get to think anything else. Reality is you got $100. That's what this is talking about. This is an accounting term. And so, listen to me. In your identity, you are perfect in Christ Jesus. In your identity, you have the perfect righteousness, the perfect holiness. Jesus put his account on your account, and he took our account. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when you look at your identity in the Bible, listen to me. You are holy. You're acceptable. You're loved. You have all the power, all the inheritance, every bit of the tools to go, to be renewed, to be sent in 2022. You have all of it. The question is, will you choose to go? Will you choose to believe it? Will you choose to follow? 
That's the question. Or will we continue to be conformed to this world? Paul knew that. He counted everything that he knew. He was, he was, he was, a, Paul was a, one of the smartest men you'd ever meet. Literally a scholar. And he goes, I count all that dung that I might know who Jesus Christ is. I find that amazing. He wasn't looking for a PhD. He wasn't looking for his name on a doorway. He wasn't looking for the things of the world and the accolades and, and to speak at all of the, you fill in the blank, the things that they do for those who listen. Brethren, verse 13, I do not count myself to have apprehended. It's an accounting term, count. Or if you're country, it's reckon. I don't reckon myself to apprehended. That's what it can be. It's taking a clear inventory is what he's saying. I know that I haven't arrived is what he's saying. Apprehended. But what do we do? One thing I do. Here's one thing you can do to renew your mind. Here's one thing you can do to live for Christ. Here's one thing he does. Look at it. If you're reading with me. 13b. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead. See, he's forgetting the old things that he used to do and the old nature. He's forgetting the old self. He's forgetting the old nature. He's forgetting purposefully, intentionally, saying those things were death, and I'm forgetting the old nature, the old mind, and the way that it used to think, and I'm pressing forward in Christ. Forgetting means to lose out of the mind. No longer care for is one way it could be translated. It's the old life. It's the old nature. It's the old will. The old desires. He desires to press on and follow Christ so that Christ will save his life. And he will not lose it. Onward and upward. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Where are you reaching? Where are you looking at? Think about it. If you're driving your car, where are you looking at? You know, you, you look in your windshield. It's a huge windshield. You can look forward. I'm going this way. I'm going this direction, onward and upward in Christ Jesus. Or you can look in your side view mirrors, your rear view mirror. You know, that mirror on the side that says, objects in this mirror may look closer than they really are. Think about that. See, the dog that bit you, the things behind you, the things you're forgetting, they may look closer, but they're really a lifetime away if you're living for Christ. They're really gone, and you're going to do more looking through the windshield than you are looking in your rearview mirror saying, oh boy, what if I'd have done that? Oh boy, look what I did there. I left some carnage there. Listen, pray about it. Ask God to forgive you for it. Ask people to forgive you for it if you need to. Move on. Grow up. Get going. Stop living like the old man. Forget what is behind you. Listen, you can't change what's behind you. Can't change your yesterdays, but you can change all of your tomorrows with the right mindset, with the right gift. If you open the gift and begin to enjoy it, you can change all of your tomorrows and some other people's tomorrows. Renew your mind. 
reach forward to those things which are ahead. He says in 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call. The upward call in God or, or of God in Christ Jesus. It's the high calling. It's an invitation to follow me is what he calls it if you look it up in the Greek. He's pressing for the prize because of the invitation to follow that Christ has given him. Then he says, therefore, let us who are mature have this mind. Renew your mind. You want to mature in Christ? Renew your mind. Put this mind on where you're forgetting what's behind you. And you're moving forward asking God what your gifts, talents, and abilities are. Asking God to, to give you strength and energy to, to live for Him. Asking God to help you die so you can defeat death and the sin nature in your life. Nevertheless, to the degree that I have already attained, let us walk, that's how you live, by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Once again, the same mind. Then he goes on to talk about following the same example. But I have one last text, uh, Matthew 28. Listen, renewing you in 2022. Why does God want to renew us? Why does he want us to understand our inheritance? Why does he want us to open the package? Why does he want to renew our mind and keep us from living the old way? Because he wants to send us. Sending you in 2022. Two for 22. That's what we're doing. Renewing you in 2022 and sending you. Now look what happens in Matthew 28, 16. Now you got to think about this. Jesus has had his entire ministry now. He is already resurrected from the grave. They're all running about. They've freaked out over it. He's appeared to them. And now he says this. At the end of Matthew 28, in verse 16, he says, Then the eleven disciples, remember Judas, went out and hung himself. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, the heathen circle, the heathen circuit. They went back to the same people because if you're a witness, listen to me. If you're going to be a witness after salvation and testify, you want the people who know you best to see that you're no longer like that. That's going to be a great witness. But don't forget, like Jesus said, a prophet has no honor in his hometown. They were going to throw Jesus off a hill. He read a scripture and said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your presence. And they took him out to a cliff and were going to throw him off. And he walked through them and just walked away from them. All of a sudden, God put stupid on him, and they couldn't do nothing to him because it wasn't his time yet. He was appointed to die on a cross for you and me, not to get tossed off a cliff. Judas jumped off a cliff, hung himself, and fell headlong into a kildama, field of blood. He didn't have the blood on him. He fell into the field of blood. Listen to me. They went back where they were appointed to go to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. He told them to go back there. Meet me in Galilee. Oh, I know. I know somebody's going, oh, I've I read my Bible, Greg. Yeah, they backslid first. They denied Christ first. They backslid. They went back fishing. He called them away from fishing. He said, stop being conformed out there. So then he came to the, remember that? It's in John chapter 22. There are 22 chapters in John. John 22. One, maybe. 
He calls them, and he's out on the bank cooking fish for them again, and they're out fishing. They're back trying to be conformed to the fishing market that they've been called out of. And when Peter seen that, Peter dove right in the water. See, he told them where to go, and they didn't go, so he came to them again, and he said, let me remind you, go to Galilee, go back and be, to, the, to the heathen circle and be a witness and give testimony. I'm, I'm renewing you to send you. That's what he wants to do with your life and my life. He gives us new life so that we'll be a witness and we'll testify and we'll prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He said uh, to the 11, verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him. Remember before his resurrection, every time they tried to worship him, he'd make him get up. We have no, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us he made him to get up now. They worshiped him. That's that word proskuneo. means to lay prostrate before somebody and worship them. What are you laying before? What are you worshiping? These are good questions to ask yourself. I mean, just when you take a, a spiritual inventory today and count what happened in the last year, say, have I been worshiping God or am I worshiping something else? Where have I been laying before? Where do I spend my time? What am I laying my life down before? What do I think is going to make me successful in what I've been called to do? Worship. If you look it up, proskuneo, it's like a dog licking the hand of its master. That's pretty amazing to me. And that's not in a derogatory sense. Now, I don't know if you know, but all the heathens that weren't Jewish, they called them dogs, little dogs. That's what they would call them. But some doubted. And it's probably speaking of Thomas, isn't it? If you read all four Gospels together, you find out that every one of them doubted. Because there can always be a little bit of doubt. But you're supposed to be having your mind renewed, trusting God, believing God, testing God in a way where you go out and follow by faith. And I don't mean testing God like, uh, do it, God, or I won't follow you. I'm talking about when you step out by faith and then he comes through, you've proved him and you see that he's good and you can walk by faith and keep living by faith and he keeps renewing your mind. So they came and worshipped him, but some doubted. We believe, but help our unbelief. And Jesus came and spoke. Here he is speaking again. His word is what we need. He spoke directly to them and said, I'm renewing you to send you in 2022. Saying all power, King James, all authority, New King James, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. God gave him to us as the greatest gift ever given. And when he rose him from the grave, he gave him all power and all authority on heaven and earth. And then just as the Father sent him to earth to die, to defeat death, now Jesus sends us to die, to defeat death in others, to defeat death in ourselves. And he says, go therefore, go and grow and teach I know if you're in the New King James or some other version, it says make disciples. That word's not there. It says go and teach all nations. The word is ethnos. All nations, all ethnicities. Do you see that today? Because in Matthew 24, it says nation will rise against nation. 
And we go, oh, look, they're fighting over there. No, it's talking about ethnicity, black against white. It's talking about ethnic groups, not nations, ethnicities, ethnic. But he says, go, therefore, and make disciples or teach others in all nations, baptizing them in the name of of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now listen, there's a big argument what baptism is. Baptism is full immersion in water. But if you can't get a person in a wheelchair into the water, sprinkle them. Because it's not about the letter of the law, it's about the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law is this, is identification. When you teach somebody about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation in no other name, When they believe, they begin to learn. And when they learn, the first thing they want to do is identify with Christ. And that means baptism in this culture. So it's all about the name, though. Baptize in what? The name, the power, the authority, the character, the nature, the will. That's what it's about is the name of Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you haven't been baptized, you should get baptized. If you haven't been baptized and you'd like to be baptized, let me know. But if you're not ready to die, don't do it. See, baptism is about identifying with Christ and saying, I want to agree with God. And I want you guys to be a witness that I'm ready to agree with God and stop fighting him, stop rebelling against him. And when his will meets my will, I'm going to follow him. I'm not going to sit around and fight and continue to live in sin and self and Satan. And be conformed to this world. But many will. What are you supposed to teach these people, all nations, after you baptize them? Look what he says in 20. Teach them to obey, to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Listen. What are you worshiping? Where are you going? Who are you living for? Have you ha- are you having your mind renewed in 2022? Oh, it's not here yet. Are you being intentional about planning to continue to grow and go? See, because we, we're real intentional. We set the alarm clock to go to work. And I know you say, well, it's practical, Greg, because I have to work. Well, wait a minute. Is the work and the earning the money more important than going to heaven? Do you set the alarm clock so that you can get up and spend time with God? Are you intentional about renewing your mind by getting into the word, prayer, and fellowship? Listen, you might get to the other side and find out that you've been building on sand if you're not intentional. And you can go read. Here's your homework. Go read Numbers chapter 13. Very important. Numbers chapter 13. God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, the house of bondage, away from Pharaoh, who's a type of Satan. Egypt is a type of the world. He took them through the wilderness. He's taken them to Kadesh Barnea into a promised land full of milk and honey. They get to the border, to the Jordan River, and Moses sends out 12 spies by God's direction. Guess what happened? 
12 spies, 40 days in the promised land, and they found out that Anak was there, the ancestors of the giants. They found out the Amalekites that were there, which were the, the original enemy that attacked them, and that God ended up wiping them all out. Unless you think of uh, Haman, who was uh, an Amalekite, Agag. Listen, anyway, they go in for 40 days, and here they come back. They come back. They want the inheritance. They come back two guys on a stick carrying one cluster of grape from the Valley of Eshcol. And they come in with these grapes. Like, look at the grapes. You see this? And they go, well, what are we going to do? Go, oh, the giants are there. Oh, they got huge cities. We can't go in there. Ten of them said this. They give a bad report, what's called a bad report. You know what Caleb said? Caleb said, whoa, we are well ready to go up and take the promise of God. We're well ready to go and get this. And the people all listened to the liars, the ten who did not believe. And they died in the wilderness. What's important here? There was two of those twelve that said, let's go. Joshua, Yeshua which means God is salvation. It's the Hebrew for Jesus and Caleb. You know what Caleb means? Anybody want to take a guess? Dog. He was worshiping God by obeying. It's dog. He was prostrate before God, believing God and ready to go, even though there was giants, even though there was the enemy. He was going because he knew he could trust God. Caleb was a godly man, but his name means dog. Very interesting to me. I'm okay with being a dog. But this dog is going to worship God. This dog is going to go with God. This dog is going to go tell somebody. This dog wants to have his mind renewed. Renewing you in 2022. So that he can send you in 2022. Are you ready to go and grow? It all happens when you step out of the boat. Doesn't happen unless you go by faith. And if you get your eyes back on being conformed to this world and the storms of this world, you start to sink. But all you have to do is say, save me, Lord. And he's right there. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can trust him. Renewing you in 2022. Be intentional about having your mind renewed. And then sending you. Ask him, who do I go to? Who's he sending you to? I can tell you right now, the people around you aren't sitting next to you right now in church. So they need to hear about Jesus. And you might say, well, they go to all. Yeah, they might go to a church, but are they hearing the gospel? I'm not picking on any of God's bride. I'm not picking on any preacher. You don't know what people are hearing. And therefore, you must be a living testimony. You must give witness. He's sending you in 2022. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that just as the, you sent your son, now he is sending us with the same power, the same authority vested in us, all of heaven and earth with us as we go. And grow. Lord, renew our minds. Baptize us afresh and anew with your spirit. And give us a desire to die to self. Take up our cross daily and follow you.
Lord, that we would see death defeated in our life as we live life for you. Lord, we pray that we would not reach the end of our life and have lived and been deceived by the devil. Help us to know you. Thank you for calling us to you. Lord, help us to hear your voice and follow. We give you praise in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I